0: Hello everyone, welcome back to a new season of Cold Waves Soundcheck, I'm Aaron Pollack. Each week we'll introduce you to one of the performers of the Cold Waves 5 Festival in Chicago September 23rd and 24th. Born in 2012, Cold Waves began as a memorial concert for fallen Chicago musician and sound man Jamie Duffy. The original event was a 14-band affair over a single night and served as a springboard to what is now a two-day festival-style show at Metro. Cold Waves is a global destination celebration of Chicago's relationship with industrial music and a passionate fundraiser for suicide awareness and prevention causes. This year's sold-out kickoff show is Thursday night, September 22nd, at Double Door and features the 30-year reunion of Stabbing Westward. Friday, September 23rd, at Metro, the performers are Meat Beat Manifesto, Clock TVA, The Black Queen, Vampire Anvil, Chant, Polyfuse, and Hyde. Saturday, September 24th, the performers are The Cox, Pig. Cubanate, 16Volt, Dead When I Found Her, Bloody Knives, and Kanga. Two-day passes are sold out, but single-day passes can be purchased from MetroChicago.com. Downstairs from Metro, Smart Bar will feature after-show DJs, including DHS, Not Breathing, and Richard23 on Friday, while Saturday will feature Black Asteroid. After-party tickets can be purchased from SmartBarChicago.com. On this episode, we are talking to Michael Arthur Holloway. This is Dead When I Found Her. That's you so
1: I got into electronic music really young. My dad had some old Depeche Mode tapes, and I know that's a lot of people's story. But I, I think uh, some cassette tapes I was listening to in the '80s as a little kid was like Yellow, um, probably the the one that had the Ferris Bueller song on it, and uh, Music for the Masses. Those are kind of my, or some of my really early albums I was listening to, along with a lot of New Age music that my parents had. I remember thinking that there was the sound of synthesizers, the sound of electronic music that appealed more to me than like guitar music or the Beatles or rock stuff, other things. And then in my teenage years, I uh, discovered Nine Inch Nails. Very quickly thereafter, discovered Skinny Puppy, and I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with that particular arc. And it just seemed like it took a lot of the synth style sounds that I'd already been into and made them really dark, made them really more aggressive and more interesting, and stuck with me then and stuck with me ever since. So I'm really kind of an old-school electro-industrial guy. Um, I spend more time even these days listening to music from the 80s and early 90s than I do to current stuff. I try to keep up with current stuff, and I, I do a reasonable job of it, but my heart's really stuck in the past. And I think that my band, Dead When I Found Her, is very much a part of that. It's very much a, a deliberate attempt to resurrect that obsession with the past and specifically with electro-industrial music from the 80s.
0: So how do you make the transition at that point from Nine Inch Nails to, to Skinny Puppy where it probably yeah. wasn't as easy to find them?
1: You know, when I was in high school and I it was the time when I was... I think the Downward Spiral had just recently come out because I got into Nine Inch Nails pretty much right when... Davern Spiral came out and everyone, you know, it's when everyone got into nails, really. And I had a dial-up internet connection, you know, back when it used your phone line and you had to tell your parents you're going to take over the phone line and it could only be from like 7 to 8 p.m. or something like that. And it was pre-World Wide Web stuff, of course, but there was really early on with the internet a way to communicate with other people about music you liked. And there was like rec.music.industrial, RMI, you know, I'm sure... A lot of people that are into industrial today have a long (laughs) history, love or hate with uh, RMI and uh, the NIN group. And what happened is in the NIN group on there, people were talking about Skinny Puppy as an influence, you know, that would, of course, come up in conversation a lot about what inspired Trent, basically. And that name, of course, kind of sticks out. And you're like, what the hell is that? That's a weird name. And um, I even remember finding like a text-based Skinny Puppy website uh, or it wasn't a website really. It was just something you could access. I don't even remember how that shit worked back then, where you could, you could download little snippets of songs. That was the best they could do at the time was little, little parts. And so I downloaded a little snippet of Addiction by Skinny Puppy, having gone and looked for it based on the stuff I was reading in the Nin group. And it was just like I heard that beat, you know, that very distinct addiction beat and Ogre's voice coming in. And I was just like, what the? F-? fuck is that you know um i have i was able to find last rights in the mall you know like it it might have been sam goody or whatever the chain terrible overpriced cd stores were at that time i only chose that one because it was the one they had i think it was a great one to find but that was my first Skinny Puppy album and my introduction to you know, having a Skinny Puppy disc, so I bought that there. And then later I figured out that you could go to Circuit City, and Circuit City would actually stock really nice collection of a lot of weird bands like that. So all the other ones, viv Six, I think was my second one. So for a high school kid, um, that was the way in.
0: Tell me about working on that first album and like finding your own sound.
1: Harm's Way, uh, wow, which it's starts to feel like a different lifetime ago even though it wasn't really that. I was writing that album like 2009 mostly and then it was released in 2010 by Artifact. I probably started that stuff in like 2008. I think was when I really began the project. I did a lot of learning what I was doing while I created that album. I like every song was really me figuring out new things I could do because I had basically bought Ableton Live and I had been out of the country for a while before that traveling and living in South America and When I came back to the States and was getting sort of settled again here in Portland, I decided like, you know what, I'm going to get back into music and I'm going to specifically get back into industrial music because I'd spent most of my 20s playing like indie rock with other dudes and doing very guitar-based music and hadn't explored doing specifically industrial music since I, for many years, I had kind of dabbled in it earlier. But So I basically had turned 30 years old, come back from living abroad for a while, and I was like... I want to start an industrial band. I want to do this again and I want to do it right. And so I invested in like some new computer software. That's right when I decided to get into Ableton Live. And I just really invested a lot of time and energy into learning everything that I could learn about making music on a computer, essentially. Because I do all of it with like software And so Harm's Way, it's amazing to me that it even worked, that it even came out like as an album because I was learning so much at the time. It was really sort of a document of my education of what I wanted to do. And it, it actually ended up working out pretty well.
0: Transitioning over to your SoundCloud page, it looks like you um use that a lot more for some of the the fun covers that you do. I saw that you have, you know, Nine Inch Nails, Skinny Puppy, Bowie, Ministry. But the one that really stood yeah. out to me was your Phil Collins cover, a complete with cover art.
1: Yeah, that was actually the first one too. Very first cover song I did was in the air tonight. My favorite cover I've done is actually Controversy by Prince. It's probably somewhere out there where people could track it down. The main idea originally was I wanted to have material to release in between albums that would keep people aware of the band. Uh, but I didn't want to just like do singles or EPs. So cover songs were sort of the perfect way to be able to say, "Hey, you know, look, I'm still working on stuff, and here's here's something new to listen to." But it's not a song from the next album. It's just a cover song. Kind of seems to bridge sort of in between. It's not as important as original material, but it's still fun and still interesting. And it was I just find them really fun to do. I, I frankly would like to be doing more right now. I I have. Uh, There's a Faith No More song I'm going to do next. It's It's been a while. I space them out more now. For a while there, I was doing them pretty frequently. Phil Collins is basically... I'm not sure how I decided to choose that one. I think that because the whole first section of that song is essentially based around a very simple synth pad progression, it just seemed like almost like it would be kind of easy to do. You know, it wasn't some rock song with a bunch of guitar parts that would have to be translated into synth sounds. So I think I found it approachable in a way. And it's pretty dark. You know, for him, it's a very moody, dark song compared to anything else he's done. I'm not super familiar with the rest of his work, but that song always stood out.
0: So uh, transitioning to the Cold Wave show, tell me about getting involved with that. And uh, after seeing the lineup, are there any other acts that you're excited to see?
1: Oh man, I'm excited about all of it. I've never been to Cold Waves, personally, but I don't actually make it to a lot of festivals. But it's really nice to get invited to them because then I get to really get the best of both worlds and you know bring my project and perform, but then also get to be a part of it. And I certainly will be just like a fan and, and enjoy the rest of the festival as well. So it's really just a total win-win situation. And as for this year, it seems like a really surprising, incredibly old school sort of lineup. I mean, most of the big bands at Cool Waves this year are, some of them were bands I didn't even know were around anymore or were still doing shows, you know. It, it kind of blew me away as seeing like Meepy Manifesto and Clock DVA up there, and that's just awesome. It, it seems like a real sort of throwback to an older era of the whole, broadly speaking, industrial music thing with some really classic bands, you know, Pig, Cubanate, those are just Super old school classic stuff, so that's exciting. I guess a little more maybe 90s than 80s, but still feels sort of like a, a different era being resurrected for for the festival this year, and that's really exciting because, like I said, I sort of live in the past and when it comes to music.
0: So, what's next for Dead When I Found her?
1: I've actually got a new album, the wait between the last two albums was three years, and I, I didn't want to do that again, and I knew that there was absolutely no reason that I needed to, so um. I basically been working on a new album since last fall because last fall is when all the way down came out, but people often forget there's months and months in between when a band actually finishes an album and when it's actually released to the public. So last fall I started a whole new session for a whole new album. And at that point all the way down had already been for me a project that I'd wrapped, you know, six months earlier. So I've been working on that since September and then basically in the final stages of it now. I did a Doom Jazz album. I'm not sure if you've heard about that at all last year, but I took a little break from industrial music right before I was doing All the Way Down and released a solo album, which is kind of ridiculous since when I found it is essentially a solo project. But it needed to be released differently because it's, it's essentially like dark, moody, film noir, jazz music. And so that's released under my full name, Michael Arthur Holloway, and is only available digitally uh, through Bandcamp right now. So... If that's something that's interesting to people, in addition to checking out that when I found her, they might uh, be into that as well.
2: you your trip, you'll make it. In society or out of it. Was an incredible experience. Something the mind refuses to accept. But it
0: happened. This week you heard expiring time, better days, and new drugs. Dead When I Found Her can be found at DWIFH.com. Our opening music is Monster Zero by Acumenation. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Subscribe to our show through iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app with the links found in the show notes. Head to coldwaves.net for festival information. Join us next week as we talk to Bradley Bills from Chant. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Cold Waves, all Chicago musician and soundman Jamie Duffy. Here's Jamie's mom, Pat Duffy, remembering the young Jamie.
2: He got, like, his first little plastic guitar when he was, you know, two years old, and it was a Mickey Mouse one, and I have pictures of him. My brother taught him to, you know, sing Ted Nugent songs, and he, you know, he always loved music, but he taught him to, like, jump off of furniture, so here's my little two-year-old vaulting off of my dresser onto my bed, you know, going, you know, cat scratch fever, and, you know... Wang bang, sweet poom tang of all things, you know, a little kid jumping around. Um, then there, were, And there was the time when I was in college and uh, my neighbors called us, called uh, the police on us. So we were having a wild party. And we had Bruce Springsteen, double with the blue dress medley. And we were, you know, we're dancing on furniture and we had it turned up all the way. And, it was funny because when the cop came, he's like, I got a call that there's a wild party going on. And he sees two women and two little boys. And we're like, yeah, well, we had the stereo turned up pretty loud.